what a day. What, what a celebration. What a moment to thank God for the remarkable provision of this new house, this new home. Um, it's not standard that you establish a home and from day one you're overfilling it, right? That's not sort of church planting strategy. Um, but I just have the sense of like the ark in the story of Noah, where the ark was rammed full of life when the floods hit. Um, and then when the floods subsided, suddenly this life broke out and was part of the, the new creation that was breaking in. Um, and I just have the sense like from the get-go, this place is rammed. It's filled with life, and I have no doubt that life will explode from this place. So I want to share some of the story of God's faithfulness as to how we got to this part of where we are right now. If you're new, welcome to our story. If you're watching online thinking, do I really want to listen just to a story of how they got a building? Trust me, you do, um, because hopefully it's a story that builds faith where God has been moving in the most remarkable way. So I want to rewind the clock two years to February 2020 as lockdown began. And we had, this was my final preach before lockdown, was our 10-year birthday. We had a massive party. It was probably a super spreader event. We had a massive party. Um, and then we had a Sunday. And I basically said, look, this is the story of God's faithfulness. And as if you look back and see where God's been at work, it sets a trajectory for what's to come. So this is what's to come. Obviously, I had no idea that a global pandemic was coming, but a sense of like, this is where the Lord is leading. So I want to remind you of, of that. And actually in doing so, just remind you of some of our core values and some of the language that we've used over our story. Um, Alan Scott basically says that the way culture is renewed it often starts with language because language can spread really fast. And then people go on a journey to try and live out that language, embody that language. So it goes from language to a shared lifestyle and then over time, you have a shared longing for what's to come. So I want to share the language of each chapter of our story, how it's transformed how we live and how that shaped our deep longing for what is to come. So I basically separated our story into five chapters. I'm a mathematician, by the way. I love separating things into things you can control. Um, and so I've done that kind of with our story. And I basically said the first two years were about establishing home. And this is some of the language we used, that we wanted to create a community that was safe enough for people to heal and dangerous enough for people to grow. So safe enough where people could come and be themselves, entirely themselves, in all of their brokenness from the get-go. No wearing masks, no putting on a brave face. We come and we be ourselves in the presence of God. So safe enough for us to journey towards healing, but more than that, an environment that was dangerous enough for us to actually grow in faith, where we were thrown outside comfort zones, where we learned reliance and dependence on God and grew in faith. We regularly quoted Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work will carry it on to completion. There are some miracle stories of how this church got going. 50,000 pounds anonymously given to help us like get the ball rolling. Provision of space, some of the relationships that were formed, it felt like God's hand was at work. We love this image. You can see it top left. This was Argent, the redevelopers of the King's Cross site. When they established the site, they put up a placard saying, 
King's Cross is being delivered. In other words, we're going to deliver a world-class redevelopment. But we sense that was the Spirit of God speaking over the land, the land that's been known for deprivation and brokenness. There's a deliverance coming. There is new life coming. Um, Google moving in. There was a song written about that. In other words, we were seeing the unfolding story of a redevelopment. And as the buildings were going up, we were praying for a spiritual regeneration. We spoke about a red carpet being rolled out where people from all walks of life coming home and experiencing what it is to have a royal identity, sons and daughters of the king, experiencing the king's house. Homecoming was key to our language. Come belong, serve, give. We were saying this isn't a place where you just get to consume. We want people to be family and to participate in the story of this church. And we had a high value that we wanted to party in the midst of our pain. Like back then, 12 years ago, we were coming out of a global financial crisis. People, you know, careers, finances had been devastated. It was a moment of brokenness. But we were like, we need to actually party, celebrate the goodness of God, even in the midst of such devastation. That was chapter one. Chapter two. We were given miracle provision, 15,000 square foot of office space at York House. We moved in and we said to loads of partners, this is way more space than we know what to do with. What if we all moved in and together we could do some real damage for the kingdom of God in this part of London? So XLP working with young people at risk of crime and Only Connect working with ex-offenders and Islington Food Bank and Choices, all of these partners moved into this space and we had three years of collaborating together. Um, we use this language regularly, what's in your hand? In other words, what's in your hand that could alleviate human suffering and create pathways to human flourishing? We want to match our resources with the needs of King's Cross and trust that God will do something beautiful and entrepreneurial. And things began to kick in. The story of tent co-working emerged. We began to use this language. We want to serve God's purpose to make all things new. Our story is a story of restoration and renewal. We want to play our part in the story. We want to recklessly give ourselves away. We want to be marked out by kingdom generosity, the kind of generosity that raises questions. Why are you giving yourself so wholeheartedly in community to serve the most vulnerable people in King's Cross? We said we wanted to be marked by compassion and courage and creativity. Already in the prophetic words spoken earlier, we had that, marked by compassion, this prayer of a creative release in our community and that we'd be risk takers, people marked out by courage. And my one sermon was about the narrative of scripture, creation, decreation, creation, recreation. One of the businesses we established um, was making some wallets. This was the design. I'm, I'm obviously joking we didn't do that, but someone did actually send in that image, say, have you thought about creating some merchandise? And it's like, no. Um, but, but I love it. Um, then came chapter three, where we had to let go of York House. Three years of incredible provision. And this was a moment where we had to trust God in the midst of the wilderness. From this kind of spacious place, we as a staff team were working in coffee shops and from home. All of the community initiatives had to find new homes in community centres around King's Cross. It was painful and yet it was a moment where we're like, God, we are holding on to you. We, we know that you're leading us through this. We know that ahead of us is more 
more abundance, but we're going to follow your cloud by day and your fire by night. Um, so we began to use this language that we don't have a map, we have a guide. We don't want to be marked out by a spirituality where there is a plan and you keep your head down and you execute the plan. We're like, no, no, we, we don't want to settle for that. We want our heads up. We want to follow the presence of God, a cloud by day and a fire by night that will lead us to the land of promise, the land of abundance. That's a New Testament and an Old Testament spirituality. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. Heads up. Paul talks about walking by the spirit. That's heads up. Lord, what are you up to? I want to jump on board. In that wilderness experience, we felt like the Lord was saying, I want to take you deeper in terms of discipleship. So we started to talk a lot about spiritual formation. We developed this pattern resource, helping us be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do the stuff that Jesus did. Art co-working emerged in that moment, those wilderness wanderings. It was painful, but it was a beautiful part of our story and deeply formative, which led to chapter four, a little bit more pain which was consecration. We felt like in the midst of the challenge and the adversity, God was saying, you need to ready yourself because something's coming. I had two sermons in that season, the creation, decreation, recreation one that I just kept running with. And the second one was the Joshua 3 verse 5, um, where the Lord says to Joshua, as they get ready to inherit the land, consecrate yourself today. Tomorrow, I'm going to do something remarkable amongst you. So tomorrow is going to be glorious, but right now the task is to consecrate yourself. Get ready. This is going to be a season of of being purified and pruned and prepared for what is to come. We regularly spoke from Habakkuk 3, um, where the prophet says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. But Lord, I, I, I want to be swept up in a move of God here and now. Lord, would you do it again? We had this prophetic word spoken over us that your destiny is hidden in your history. So we became became fascinated with the story of King's Cross. Are there things in our story that we can recover for this season, for this new chapter? And and honestly, it, it was a moment of like, Lord, Yeah, we want to be right with you. Would you prepare us for what is to come? Um, Now, in between these chapters, B and I went on sabbatical, spent some time in California, which was incredible. Thanks so much for funding that through your generous giving. Um, And then we basically returned and said that we think this new chapter is about the sound of redemption. It's going to be a season of abundance. So C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is fuel in the kingdom of God. So we're like, we we want to be marked out by joy. Um, An emphasis on going for the lost, a season of salvation. I spent some time on sabbatical visiting sites of revivals. And one of the defining markers of every move of God is not a trickle of salvation, but a tidal wave of salvation. It isn't just God's power being released so that church can be more entertaining on a Sunday. It is lots and lots of people stumbling into the kingdom of God. And we're like, now's the time to to leave for the 99, to leave the one behind and go after those that don't know Jesus. We were praying that we would be a church on fire because we wanted to see the city alive. We were contending for for an awakening. We were preparing ourselves for abundance, for joy. Um, And then the global pandemic kicked in. Um, But I summarised our story as basically establishing home, chapter one, giving ourselves away, chapter two, letting go and holding on, chapter three, consecration, chapter four, the sound of redemption, chapter five, which was the new chapter we were um, entering. And I, I tried to map that on to the Exodus narrative, that there's a story of deliverance, 
of a nation being formed, new life. Then you have the, the giving of the law, the Torah, the Ten Commandments as a pathway towards blessing. You then have the wilderness wanderings, trusting God to be a cloud by day, a fire by night to lead them towards abundance. Then before they cross the Jordan and enter the land, there's a moment of consecration where the fighting men are circumcised, right? That, that's not a great military strategy to send your fighting men into battle weak, but God is trying to teach them something that I'd rather you be consecrated and weak than strong and not set apart for the purposes of God. So they cross the Jordan having had a season of consecration and then they take Jericho and it's the story of inhabiting the land and the kingdom of God expanding. So I basically said this is the new season we're entering into. It's the season of inheriting the land. We were 10 years old as a church and I was basically saying, look, we've been digging foundations for a decade. Like we are here, not just for a few years, for decades, 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 hopefully centuries. Like we'd be marked out for such a moment. We've been digging foundations, but, but now it's time to put down roots in the land, to inherit the land. And how fascinating two years on from that, as we emerge from this pandemic, that we have a new home that we actually have a plot of land, that a year ago we signed a 10-year lease on this property. And then we got into some incredible conversations that led to a conversation with the diocese um, and the Church of England eventually bought the land. So we own land right in the heart of King's Cross. And look at the location. It's not quite bang centre, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close. What an incredible spot for us to use as a centre of worship community and mission. Here's some fun facts or fun elements of our story. Um, July 2017, I was doodling, praying in a future home uh, for, for KXC. And I know some of you will be thinking with those architectural drawings, how come Pete didn't go into architecture? And I know I'm aware that some of you will be thinking that. Um, but I just began to sketch it out. Just look, look at the design, by the way, of, of the building. It isn't that far off. It isn't that far off, right? Um, so I began to sort of pray in, and we as a team were praying in a future home. A few months later, Joe Davey, who used to be part of our church family, sent in an email. During Johnny's talk, a dream I had last night popped into my head. I hadn't realised I'd had it till then. In the dream, I received an email which was from the church. It had an attachment which I opened and realised it was the title to a deeds of property, deeds to a property, which I understood to be the building KXC has been longing for. On the front page, the name of the property was something like the King's House, definitely the something house at least, and it had a stamp of a coat of arms or a sort of royal insignia underneath. My reaction was, oh probably not that. Oh, it's happened already. And my sense reflecting on it is that God has sorted it without anyone having to do anything and sooner than expected. Like this was like the prophet speaking in, there's going to be a new home, maybe something like the king's house. This is me doodling, Lord, we would love a home, a centre of mission in the heart of King's Cross. And do you want to know something really fun? This is a picture um, from decades ago. And you can see our new home. On the left, it was a bike shop at that point. And then the building next to it, if you zoom in, you can see this. It was called King's House. How fun. So we're stepping into something of a story that's already been going on for quite some time. These are the plans of the building. The building was built in 1923. Um, 
And if you look at the sketches, the one on the left, look at the alleyway down the side. So the, the alleyway that literally runs across the back of, of the building, some of our staff team now refer to it as We Alley because it, every Sunday before we gather, we have to spray it down because it smells of wee. Um, but before it was ever We Alley, um, look at the name. It wasn't just an alley, it was a road. And look at the name of the road. I'll zoom in, Providence Road. Providence meaning divine guidance, divine gift. Just a sense of God saying like, this is going to be a gift to the people of God. Like we're stepping into something that God's been doing. Hopefully it's building faith of like, this wasn't our idea. This has been in the heart of God for for some time and we're now stepping into that story. Um, In 1923, when it was built, its first name was Luciana, um, named after a ship. Um, But Luciana means light. Um, Listen to these words from Jesus. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let King's house shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So it was Luciana, a billiard hall. Um, but now we're praying, Lord, we want this place to be a beacon of light that radiates your goodness across this part of the city. So what is the vision for the space? Here it is. And before we we jump in, I just want to name that in the New Testament, the house of God is a metaphor for the people of God. There are many metaphors for the church, but one of the big ones is the house of God. So when we talk about the king's house or the house of God, we're not just talking about this building. We are talking about this building, but we're not just talking about this building. We're talking about us as a family being marked by prayer and presence, hospitality, healing, mercy, justice, innovation and renewal. So the vision for this building and the vision vision for our church family, number one then, is a house of prayer and presence. We, we're going to ha- gather here Sunday by Sunday, at least to begin with, for the 10.30 service and the 4 p.m. service. But beyond that, there's going to be rhythms of prayer and worship that run through the, the calendar and run through this building. Every Monday, at least in term time, is going to be Seek First, where there's a night of worship, intercession and the prophetic. I want to invite you into those key gatherings. Beyond that, there's probably going to be a midweek service that will kick in at some point. There will be other rhythms of prayer. And if that isn't enough, if you go to the end of what was we, Ali, now Providence Row, um, you'll find a prayer hut, which we're going to open in the next week or two, which will be a 24-7 prayer hut where you can pray your biggest prayers over King's Cross and over our community. You can read some of the stories of previous moves of God to whet the appetite so we can say together, Lord, we've heard of your fame and we stand in awe of your deeds, but we don't want to just read about New York or the Hebrides. We, we want to pray in a move of the Spirit here in London, here in King's Cross. So we're going to be marked out by prayer and presence. Secondly, we want this to be a house of hospitality and healing. So we regularly say our destiny's hidden in our history. Let me share some of the history of, of King's Cross, this part of King's Cross. There was a well in King's Cross called St. Chad's Well. Now, during the 1800s and the early 1900s, it became such a spot that a thousand people would come to visit the well every week in search of healing because the waters had healing. This is an account from that time. St. Chad's Well, health restored and preserved by drinking the Battle Bridge waters 
Cross. Battle Bridge was the original name of King's Cross. Commonly called St. Chad's Well, formerly dedicated to St. Chad, first Bishop of Litchfield. These waters are recommended by the most eminent physicians as the best purging waters in England. They are found highly efficacious in removing all complaints which affect the urinary passages such as stone, gravel. No one wants stone and gravel in their urinary passages, do they? Um, they likewise cure the scurvy, bile, worms, piles, amen, indigestion, nervous complaints, seminal weaknesses and various other disorders too numerous for an advertisement. Several attestations of their wonderful effects may be seen in the pump room. Apparently in the pump room, story after story after story of supernatural healing. Lord, we've heard of your fame and we stand in awe of your deeds, but we don't want to just read the history books. We want to be swept up in that kind of story right here, right now. Amen. So where was the well, I hear you ask? Great question, I will answer it. Um, so it's part of the River Fleet, which is the largest subterranean river in London. It flows from Hampstead down into the Thames. Um, it flows right through King's Cross. Dotted along this river are a number of wells. Um, it goes down the side of the redevelopment, what is now the redevelopment, Cross Euston Road, Pentonville Road, and then moves on. But if you keep zooming in, that's King's House. The orange line is the river. In other words, it flows right outside this building. No one quite knows where the well was. There are a number of nerds. I've joined that community online. Um, there's only about four or five of them searching for where was the well. Want to know where was St. Chad's well. I mean, honestly, if you do a Google search, you're going to find lots of documents with lots of theories. Um, but essentially, best guess is across the road from here, where it is now St. Chad's Place. They think that's where the well was, but no one knows. But what we can say with some level of accuracy is that it's probably within a 20 metre radius of this building. My theory, right underneath this building. <laughs> just, just saying, just saying, that's what I, I think is right underneath this building. Um, and doesn't that excite you? that we're tapping into a bigger story. We want this place to be a house of healing and hospitality, where people walk into the king's house and experience a welcome they've never experienced in their life, right? And more than just an incredible welcome, we want this to be a place of healing, emotional healing and mental healing and physical healing and spiritual healing and the list goes on. That's part of our destiny. We believe it's part of our future. More than that, we want this to be a house of mercy and justice. Another bit of our history then is King's Cross. If you go to kingscross.co.uk for the history nerds, I know there's a number of you in the room, um, you'll find this website. Look at that image, by the way. Um, that's the Ethiopian church you can see as the, as the photo looks down Pentonville Road. But if you go to that website, you can scroll through the story of, of King's Cross, um, which was Battle Bridge, the site of a battle between Queen Boudicca and the Romans and how it was established in AD 61. But if you keep reading, you get to this text, which is that a mission of Roman monks arrived in Essex in AD 597 for obvious reasons they wanted to move on. That's obviously a joke. Just in case anyone grew up in Essex, that is a joke. Um, if you're watching online, it is a joke. Um, 597 AD, with the relics of the martyr saint St. Pancras, their aim was to convert Britain to Christianity. The monks built a church in the place where St. Pancras' old church is today, making the site one of the oldest places of Christian worship in Europe. Right? So long before King's Cross was known as a centre sending out goods by canal, train, whatever else, it was known as a centre of mission, sending out good news, sending out missionaries to proclaim and demonstrate the arrival of the kingdom of God. This is the story of the land. 
that we're inheriting, right? We, we want to untap some of that story. Lord, would you raise up a people that this would be a center of mission, sending out missionaries across the UK and beyond to demonstrate the arrival of the kingdom of God. Even the story of this building. So it used to be the Pauline Quirk Academy, which was a drama school. Um, helping people get an education in acting that couldn't afford some of the other drama schools in the city. Before that, it was known as the poor school. Again, a drama school helping people that couldn't receive a normal education in that. It had an incredible reputation in this part of London. One of the offices, actually probably around here, the back end of the building, um, when the poor school was here, was legal aid. Um, so the legal action group, 242 Pentonville Road here, they had their offices here. And, and what was the mission of that group? That justice wouldn't just be accessible for the privileged few, but for the many. Justice for all. This has been a centre of justice before we arrived in this space, right? And we're wanting to tap into some of that story. So downstairs throughout the week, this place is going to be a centre of mercy and justice. Some of the ministries that we partner with are moving in this very week. So CAP, the debt centre, they're going to be operating from this space and hopefully in time a jobs club helping people back into employment will emerge. Growing Hope providing free occupational therapy for children with additional needs and support for family members, siblings, parents, carers. Choices Islington, their boutique which is providing clothes to babies and mums and people in pregnancy crisis situations. They will be operating from this space. Crux, you want to give a little wave there Phil? at the back. Um, they are going to be operating from this space, which is a, a centre of mediation, helping people journey towards reconciliation and serving people in our community. There will be plenty more. Other things will be birthed in this space. If something's stirring in your heart, maybe that's for a reason and maybe the time is now and maybe this might be the home for it. So we want it to be a place of mercy and justice and finally a house of innovation and renewal. Last history lesson. Lean in. Okay, so York Way, bottom of York Way and bottom of Cali Road. Um, many, many years ago, centuries ago, it was known as the Great Dust Heap of Battle Bridge, right? So waste was dumped in King's Cross, right? So after building sites when there was lots of dust and debris, people would just transport it to King's Cross and it would be dumped on this great but there was a creativity to this part of the city and they're like okay what do we do with this massive mountain of dirt they're like we can do two things number one let's create some fertilizer that's going to help nearby farms so they basically used it to create fertilizer and secondly they made bricks from the dust to help in building new homes this is a really nice part of the story but I love it when the present Caledonian road was fields near Battle Bridge were heaped hillocks of horse bones there we go, heaped hillocks of horse bones. The battle bridge dustmen and cinder sifters were the pariahs of the metropolis. The mountains of cinders and filth were the debris of years and were the haunts of innumerable pigs. The Russians, says the late Mr. Pinks, in his excellent History of Clerkenwell, which sounds like a fascinating read, bought all these ash heaps to help rebuild Moscow after the French invasion. 
And it's just like fun to think, right, that waste was restored and became something creative to help new life emerge. That's life emerging from the ashes, life emerging from the dust. That's in the story of this land, right? Don't we want to see that kind of thing happen again? Stuff that's discarded could find a new home that we could see stories of restoration that point to the kingdom of God and display the glory of God and the beauty that comes from him. Amen. So we want to be marked out by innovation and renewal. The upstairs, if downstairs is going to be the center of mercy and justice, fueled by prayer and presence and hospitality and healing, the upstairs on Thursday, Friday, Saturday is going to be an event space. And hopefully the event space will generate income to fund a lot of the ministries happening downstairs. But more than just income generating, this is part of our mission. We want to do an event space that that runs with kingdom values front and center. So when businesses and charities and community events operate from this place, they're like, there's something different about the King's House. There's something different about the hospitality. And and, and they say they're praying for our events, which is kind of weird. We said we don't want it, but they said they'd do it anyway. I'm not sure that will happen. But anyway... Like we, we want an event space that, that communicates something of the kingdom story. And we believe other businesses and things will emerge as we journey forward together. So what is the priority for now? I, I want to encourage you not to be a spectator in this story. Like it's, it's very easy moments like this to basically spectate and applaud, right? But you will miss out on the joy. If you just sit back and spectate, I want to invite you to step in. And here's two ways you can step in right now. Make the house a home. And I'm not just talking about the building. I'm talking about this community. Like We've lived through a season of chronic disconnection. This is the time to press into community, to open up your living rooms and host people again. Create family rather than providing a running commentary on how the church doesn't really function as a family these days. Why don't you actually provide a solution and open up your home and create family and provide hospitality? And why don't you come here and provide hospitality from this place? Like, let's make this house a home. Let's invite our friends. Let's invite our neighbours. Let's invite people of King's Cross into this space where they can experience the goodness of God in this place. So let's make the house a home. And secondly, let's pray for fire to fill it. And I'll land with this because we've already prayed it, right? My dad got up and he didn't know um, that I was going to land with this text, the story of the consecration of the temple. Whenever God moves into a new house, biblically speaking, his fire falls. So Exodus 40, this is the tent, the tabernacle, um, What happens? The Shekinah glory fills the tabernacle. The fire falls and God dwells amongst the people. When they established the temple in Jerusalem, what happens? We're going to read it in a moment. The answer is the fire falls. What happens in the New Testament, Acts 2, the people are gathered and the fire doesn't fall on a building. It falls on a people because they are the dwelling place of God Almighty, the temple of the Holy Spirit. When God wants to move into a people or into a building, he fills it with fire, which is what we're going to pray. God would fill it with fire. So this is the story. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped and gave thanks saying, for some reason I've lost power on my iPad. What did they say? Um, 
And they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good, His love endures forever. Later, the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place, this house, for myself as a house of worship, prayer and presence. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. This is what God's in the business of doing, not healing just a people. He wants to heal the land, wants to heal King's cross. And then these verses. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this house so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. This is a promise that like God's saying, I'm moving into the building, right? And, and my eyes are going to be open and my ears attentive. So what was said earlier, let me repeat, don't pray small prayers. Like pray big prayers. Prayers that is going to need supernatural intervention because God has promised that his eyes will be open, his ears attentive. Like this is such an exciting moment in our story. Like I, I believe we're stepping into something that the Lord's been preparing for a very long time. We're standing on the shoulders of giants. We're standing on the foundation of prayers that have been prayed through centuries in this place. And I believe some of them are going to get answered in this season. This is a season for abundance, a season to inherit the land.